0: Welcome once again to another edition of the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football. Adam Luckett coming to you again for another edition, a fun belt edition of the podcast. This is going to be episode 13, so we hope you are enjoying it as we enter the Baker's Dozen. And today we're going to get into the Western Division of the fun belt and kind of just give a preview for each team like we did with the Eastern Division in Episode 11 with Aikman Chambers. If you haven't listened to that yet, make sure you go over there and check it out. And joining me today is going to be a guy that's been on the podcast before. He uh, helped us kind of review, preview New Mexico State season earlier, and he covers the Aggies and the Idaho Vandals for our site. Kyle, welcome to the show, my man. How you doing? Pretty good. Thanks for having me again. No problem. Glad to have you back. Glad to have you back. We'll have to do it do it more times as the season approaches. But today we're just going to get into the Western Division, which is the five teams of Arkansas State, South Alabama, the two Louisiana programs, and then Texas State. But since Idaho and New Mexico State are in their last seasons, they're kind of without a division, so we're throwing them in on this preview. So we'll just get it started off with the heavy favorite uh, in this division, which would be the Arkansas State Red Wolves. Of course, Blake Anderson is entering, I believe, his fourth year there in Jonesboro. Um, they're going to have an awesome defense this year. They've won the Sun Belt back-to-back seasons, and I believe four out of the last five years they've been conference champs. They're breaking in five new starters on the offensive line, but they've got some explosive guys on offense. They've got a pretty good quarterback in Justice Hansen, and of course, Javon Roland Jones, maybe the best NFL prospect. In the Sun Belt this season. So, what are your thoughts on the Red Wolves entering 2017,
1: Kyle? Oh, uh, you know, when I first looked at their roster, the offensive line really jumped out at me. It's a really important position group, and to have five new guys that kind of put up a red flag for me. But then I started to look into the roster a little deeper, and you know, I think they're going to do it just just fine. Uh, you mentioned Rollin Jones and Justin Hansen and or Justice Hansen, excuse me. And uh, those guys are elite talent, and I
0: think they're going to be just fine. Speaking of that offensive line, I wrote a piece, I believe, a week or two ago, basically kind of looking at advanced stats and trying to break down, trying to introduce the readers to something new, like a different way to look at football. And when I dove in and checked out some for, some for the Red Wolves, their offensive line really jumped out at me. At any offensive line metric that, that kind of the football outsiders guys use to measure, everything that they use, Arkansas State was – towards the bottom in every cat, in every statistical category. So losing those five guys may not hurt as much. They went really big on some JUCO prospects. Former Iowa State Cyclone J.P. Filbert is going to step in, I believe, at one of the tackle spots. They've got some other guys that they're bringing in from JUCO. So for them, it's they're looking at, at it, and have even spoken with some Arkansas State fans online via Twitter about this. They think it's more of an addition by subtraction that – them getting all these all these five starters, they can't be much worse than last season.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I've read they're more athletic too, uh, which might change a little the offense a little bit. I still think it's going to be a rough go. Those first two uh, non-conference games at Nebraska and home to Miami, Florida. You know, those teams are on the up and up, and five new guys. You know practice is one thing, but you get into those games and there's you know sellout crowds at those big hundred thousand plus stadiums you know it'll be tough early on but I bet they get it figured out
0: yeah it's a tricky schedule how they open up but I think it's important to remember that they got off to a really slow start last season and then would have ran ran the table in the conference if it wasn't for that upset Louisiana Lafayette pulled off to really kind of that kind of sealed uh for the Raging Cajuns getting back to a bowl game but you look at that schedule the first four games are really tough. They got they open up with Nebraska in Lincoln, and they get Miami at home, which will be a really probably crazy atmosphere there at Jonesboro. But Miami is a team that got a chance to compete for a playoff spot this year and should compete for an ACC championship. And we all saw what they did in Boone to Appalachian State last year. So you got to think that's going to be a tough matchup for the Red Wolves. And then they have a tricky game where they go to – SMU. SMU's expected to have a very explosive offense and really step up and compete in the American Conference this year. So that schedule is tough starting off, but don't ever write the Rebels off. As soon as they get in the Sunbelt play, that's usually when they crank it up and get on a roll.
1: Yeah, it could be a very similar season to 2016, but yeah, you can never ever count them out. They're kind of that pain in the butt, I guess you could call them. They're always relevant even when they're not.
0: Yeah, they're, they're scheduled, and they got a great schedule. Of course, within the Sun Belt, since there's no conference championship game right now, that first week in December is a regular season game, so that allows each team to get an extra bye. So you get two byes, each team in the Sun Belt does. And Arkansas State really kind of timed theirs perfect. They play four games to start the season, get a bye, play four games in the middle, and then get a bye. So their season really is divided up into three four game segments. And then when you look at their schedule, they avoid Appalachian State and get Troy at home. So we're talking about in that top tier of the Sun Belt, which is them, Troy, and Appalachian State. They avoid one and get one at home. So the schedule, I think, really sets up well for the Red Wolves.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, of that middle section, at Georgia Southern, home to Coastal Carolina and Louisiana, and then at New Mexico State, those are all, you know, they're expected to win all those games. And like you said, it's – it breaks up really nicely into those three, four-game sections. So um can get much better on the schedule side of things.
0: No doubt on that. Now we'll get into our three factors that, that we included in this pod, which is pretty much just your most important player, the most important game for this for these teams this fall, and then what, what record needs to happen for this team to have a successful season. For me, the most important player on Arkansas State is D-Liner. The former Alabama transfer really kind of got a slow start in Jonesboro but really came on the last part of last season was and was really a dynamic in that Cure Bowl win over UCF. And, of course, Javon Rowland-Jones, he gets all the hype and he gets all the ink, and he's who everybody's talking about. But Liner is an NFL prospect himself. Got great size. I believe he's right at 6'2", 6'3", about 320, 330 pounds can really move for a guy that size. And if he can have a big gear inside and really cause some havoc and cause some double teams, that could open up all kinds of isolation situations for Javon Rowland Jones on the outside. And I believe if Liner can do that, it's gonna be really one of the competing for one of the best defenses in the G five this year.
1: Yeah, I have gotta say, just with the I'm I'm skeptical about the offensive line. I, I think they'll get it sorted out, but Just five new guys, it just never sits right with me. So I've got to say Rollin Jones is the the key guy here uh, just because, you know, with the help of D-Liner, obviously, but Rollin Jones especially, he's going to be disruptive and create some turnovers. And uh, I think the defense is really going to be key to this team really winning some games. I just can't trust that offensive line to, to really, you know, protect or put up you know, big numbers. i just got to see it to believe it. Right. So I'm going to say Roland Jones on this one.
0: With five new starters, they got to step up and kind of prove it to everybody. We'll move down, as we talked about the schedule earlier, but for me, biggest game is that closing game against Troy. They're in Jonesboro on December 2nd. A very good chance it's going to be for the conference title. I know this program is getting close. Uh, they should be competitive in the games against Power 5 competition, but I just don't think – They're going to be able to win in Lincoln or at home against Miami. And with their tendencies to get off to a slow start, those are not great games to start with. So I think they'll get their mojo again once Sunbelt play starts, and I believe that that last game against Troy could fairly well be for the Sunbelt title.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, But for the sake of mixing things up, I guess I'd say the Southern Southern Methodist game would be the most important. It just kind of – for me, will indicate what kind of team this is, how the talent's really coming together. It'll be the fourth game. Going into a bye, they'll want to come out strong versus another good group of five, power six, whatever you want to call them, uh, team. And uh, really you know, kind of set the tone for the rest of the season, I think, and you know, show everyone what kind of team they are. So I'm going to say uh, Southern Methodist on this one.
0: Yeah, when you look at that SMU game, that's probably – if Arkansas State wants to have a shot at a 10-win regular season, that's the one they have to get. Of course, it's right after uh, that rough stretch where they open up with Nebraska and Miami like we've talked about out of the stretch, and then they get our FCS Arkansas Pine Bluff. So if they can win that one, they could, they could really get on a roll and make some noise and maybe even potentially threaten for that G5 New Year's 6 bid. We'll move on to record. For me, it was hard for me to come up with a number. I said nine and three, just because that's something they really, really haven't done lately. I guess they did it, and I look, they did do it at 2015, but took a dip last year as they struggled in that non-conference. So I would just say nine and three, and winning another Sun Belt title. I think conference titles are the expectation for this program now. That's just what they do. So I would just say get to that conference title and win that. That's that's another successful season for the Red Wolves. Yeah, I
1: agree. Another 8-4, 8-5 season would be kind of a disappointment, I would think. So I'm going to have to say 9-3 and three as well. Um, but wouldn't it be fun if they got the group of five playoff spot? That would be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, as you, it's, we're entering year four of the playoff. And one interesting thing about this is that the G5 winner has come from a different league each season. Boise State won it first year and then went on to beat Arizona in the Fiesta Bowl. Houston won it the next year and beat Florida State in the Florida Beach Bowl. State. Yeah, and then um, Western Michigan, of course, won it last year, and they actually ran the table, but they ended up losing in a close game to Wisconsin in the Cotton Bowl. And it's, going, it's making its rounds. It's three different conferences, so maybe the Sun Belt can break in this year. I don't really see it happening, but it's going to have to be, I believe, a team like – Arkansas State or Appalachian State or Troy. But for them to probably do it, they're probably going to have to beat a Power 5 program plus going 8-0 in conference play. I agree with you there. Okay, we'll move on here. We'll go on over to Idaho. The Vandals entering their last year in the Sun Belt. Of course, as all of you know listening, the Vandals are going to FCS, joining the Big Sky Conference in football next season. But last year was all about a breakthrough for them. Finished up the season 9-4, and four, went to their first bowl game since 2009 and upset Colorado State. And for this year, Matt Linehan returns as a four-year starter. And it seems like the team's main goal will be getting back to a bowl game, back-to-back bowl games, for the first time in program history. A lot of talent returning.
1: Uh, linebackers are looking great in uh, spring and fall camp. Defense is flying around. Petrino has said time and time again how much he loves the way the defense is played. Um, you know, Linehan being a senior, I read an article today that compared him to CJ Bethard from Iowa, and just how he could really be the next kind of under the radar quarterback to make a splash in the NFL. And I completely agree. He's got the talent. He's driven. He's motivated. He's a smart player. So. Really, as long as he's healthy, I think the sky's the limit.
0: Yeah, I think he's going to have a really good senior season. And you mentioned that defense. That's looking like it may be the strength of the team this year as they lose a lot of their receiving production. But with no, a Paul, yeah. Paul Petrino coach team, I, I, in my theory, they're always going to go as their offense goes. And, of course, losing all that receiver receiving production is scary. And you can see why some people think the Bengals are going to take a step back this year.
1: I could see that happening. I would be lying if I said I wasn't worried. But I think, I don't know, I kind of think that it's the quarterback who, who can elevate the play of the receivers. So I think that no matter who they put out there, I think Lenahan will throw the ball around and, and they'll, they'll do okay.
0: Speaking of receivers, my most important player this year is going to be Senior Alphonso Anumwar. I believe I'm probably pronouncing that last name wrong. So if I think correct and you're listening, please don't be too hard on me. But anyway, he's a former JUCO transfer. He's a Cleveland native. Last year in Idaho, he didn't really do much. As I believe he was about the third or fourth option. 39 catches, 403 yards, right under 11 yards per catch. Caught over 66% of his targets, so he showed some good efficiency. And his last year at the junior college level, he had 75 catches. So I think he's proven right there that he can be you know, a target monster, a go-to guy, a guy you can depend on. And I think he's going to get targeted a lot in this offense. I think Lenahan's going to go to him more times than not. I would expect him to put up some pretty big numbers for the Vandals this fall, and that's something they're going to need as they are kind of rebuilding at that receiver spot.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think what's really going to hurt the Vandals the most, though, is losing uh, the two tight ends, uh, Collin and uh, Watson, too. Um, But... You know, we had Jordan Freisinger, uh, He was a transfer from Northern Illinois. He kind of came out of nowhere last year and, and played really well. Uh, he had one really nice catch on the sidelines in the bowl game, too. Uh, kind of sticks out in my mind, but uh, I think we'll see another receiver kind of like uh, Freisinger kind of come out of the woodwork, and will they be as good as last year? Probably not, but I think they'll they'll come close, and I think they'll be okay.
0: we we'll move on to uh, the schedule. For me, their biggest game this year is going to be when they play when they host U L Lafayette after a bye October seventh in the Kibbe Dome. The start they have, they could get off to a good start, it could be a bad start, but it's probably gonna be somewhere around two and two or one and three. But the reason I have the game against the Cajun as their biggest games is because after that their schedule gets really rough. In back to back weeks they host Appalachian State and then go to Missouri. And then two weeks after that, they go to Troy on a Thursday night. So that's a tough stretch they to get into right there, and it would be nice to get some momentum and beat uh, that UL Lafayette team right there before they start that rough stretch.
1: It's kind of tough. There's a lot of games that I could pick, but I guess I'd have to say Appalachian, Appalachian State at home. It's their last season in the Sun Belt. They're playing you know, one of the Sun Belt Giants, if you want to call them that. But it's a really chance to make some noise. You know, go up against some top team in the conference, and, you know, they have to travel. So, uh, you know, beat them, and, you know, they're probably not going to be too focused on the Missouri game. I think they'll really be focused for Appalachian State, and, you know, they win that game the rest of the season. They're going to be flying high. Confidence is going to be, you know, way up there. So, I think if they, I think that's a big game for them. Test what they've got on their side of the ball, and, See what happens from from
0: there. You mentioned a long road trip. That that's always a tricky game, I feel like, for some belt teams. And it'll be the last year that they really have to make that trip. You have to go all the way out to Idaho and then you have to play in that kind of weird dome. It's like just a soup can, yeah. Yeah, it's just a unique, unique playing surface for them and it gives them really a really good advantage there to have to be playing in something that different.
1: They're in Idaho, but it's practically Washington. It's just kind of
0: Right. Yeah, really weird. I know they were way out there, and then when they played Washington last year, they were talking about how that was kind of they were closer there than they were to Boise State, I believe. So it's definitely they were definitely yeah, out there on the outskirts. Yeah, maybe the Pac-12 will give them a call. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon. But we'll move on to record. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what's the realistic expectations for Idaho this season, and what do they need to accomplish to have a successful year in your eyes, Kyle? A bowl, I'd be
1: satisfied with a bowl, but you know, eight wins or a challenge for the conference title would really be like really successful uh, in my eyes. Now, I think they definitely can get back to a bowl. So, I mean, just improving on last season, maybe push for conference title would be success in my eyes.
0: Yeah, I'll add a little bit lower. I just said six and six and seven and five. It's a program that's never been to back-to-back bowl games in their history, so if they could just do that and leave FBS on a high note, I think that'd be a successful year for them. They lose a lot after last year's team, and schedules got some tricky spots in it. So I just said, just get to six and six, seven and five, go to another bowl game, and then leave leave FBS on a high note.
1: Yeah, I'd say the same, but I'm greedy. I want more, man.
0: <laughs> I hear you. We'll move. We'll move over to the. The Bayou. Now we're going to talk about the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. This is a team last year that really closed strong, went six and six in the regular season. It made up their fourth bowl in five seasons, and now they'll now they'll return a good amount on the on the offensive and defensive lines. That's where the strength of this football team is. They're bringing in a new offensive coordinator, Will Hall, and breaking in a new quarterback, Jordan Davis, and. This is a program that's looking to stop uh, this run of mediocre quarterback play they've had the last two years. They've really struggled at the quarterback position, and that's really something that's held them back. They've got some players surrounded around that quarterback. They just need to find consistent QB play. And for me, uh, this is a team that has a brutal, brutal schedule. It's going to be hard to see the Cajuns getting back to the postseason, even though they're they're probably one of the more talented teams in the Sun Belt.
1: Every game – I mean every tough game is away at Arkansas State at Appalachian State even the mid-tier teams you know South Alabama they have to travel to they have to travel to Idaho Texas A&M Tulsa all those teams are good at Mississippi as well pretty easy games home to Georgia Southern you know, home to New Mexico State Texas State ULM but yeah those away their away schedule is just brutal I think yeah, they're going to struggle.
0: Six of their first nine games are away from Cajun Field. That's just a horrible, horrible draw for Mark Hutchpiss squad. And it's a team that I really, on paper, I really like if they could get some favorable matchups. But when you look at that schedule, that's tough. Even their that, that G5 non conference game they play, it's, it's Tulsa, who's going to have one of the better offenses in the country. And they got to go to Oklahoma to take on the Golden Hurricane. So. It's going to be a tough schedule for them. But what I will get into our most important player. We'll talk about their record here in a little bit. But for me, I love their defense at, every le, at defensive line and secondary levels. I think they got all-conference-type performers potentially at, at each position. But inside linebacker is really, really going to be a big question mark for this team. They lost Tremaine Lightfoot and Otha Peters, their two leading tacklers last year, who combined for nearly 200 tackles between the both of them. So they're breaking in new guys at these spots. And the only guy they really have returning with any type of playing experience is senior linebacker T.J. Posey, who's really not contributed very much. So I think they're depending on him to step up a big time and produce a lot of plays for this defense. Mark Hudson has been very complimentary of him during training camp. So he's the most important player for me because I believe this – is a defense that can compete for one as one of the best Sunbelt defenses this year, but they got to find an answer at that linebacker spot, and I believe they think Posey's the answer, and he's going to have to be good right away for them. I would agree.
1: The guy I was looking at was uh, Joe Dillon. He's a sophomore this year, but last year see, he had 51 tackles, seven sacks, five-and-a-half tackles for loss, uh, t- with ten starts as a, a freshman, and he'll be coming back in conjunction uh, conjunction with T.J. Posey, uh, you know, that's a strong one-two right in the middle. You know, looking at the kicker, too, um, Stevie Artegu, this team, like we said, they're going to be facing a lot of tough teams on the road. And, I mean, if they have any chance to win those at all, it's going to be a close game. And so, you know, the kicker is really going to come down to can they win or not. Could be a three-point game, could be, you know, one-point win. The field goal is really going to
0: come down to it. Right, is an absolute stud. He was an easy pick for first team on Sunbelt when uh, the staff did their underdog with staff at underdog dynasty excuse me did their preseason projections. So yeah, in a close game he can be a really, really big weapon. We'll look at the biggest game as we get into their schedule. For me, it's that November fourth trip at South Alabama. That's when they, that's the point of their schedule where they're finally getting pretty much all those road games out of the way. And they've got a chance to go to win, get three wins in the last part of the schedule between the South Alabama, the New Mexico State, and Georgia Southern home games. But it all starts with that road trip to Mobile, I think. For them to really get back to a bowl game, which I think 6-6 six and six may be this team's ceiling due to the schedule, that's going to be a must-win game when they go on the road and play the Jags.
1: Yeah, it will be, certainly be an important game. I think they're kind of equal in, in talent level, but – I'm gonna go up to the October 7th game uh, at Idaho. I think it was, yeah, it was a close game last year. Idaho pulled out 23 to 13, but uh, I think it was a lot closer than that. You know, another team that they're pretty equal in talent, and you know they could win the game before that versus ULM, beat Idaho, beat Texas State. That's three in a row heading into the Arkansas State game, and then a bye after that. So, um, you know, if they get a win there really propel their season who knows might even get to a seven eight win season
0: yeah that's i agree that was a game that i sat there and debated with for a good amount of time we'll move on to the schedule for me i think under mark hudspeth going to the bowl going to a bowl game has really kind of been the expectation so even the schedule even though the schedule is really difficult i don't think you can go away from that but as i said earlier the ceiling six and six so i think they can just get to six and six and get to a bowl game and they they're going to be playing a lot of young players this year. They could be a team in 2018. They could eventually be a, one of the favorites in the Sun Belt if they can get some positive momentum by just making a bowl game this season.
1: Well, certainly. I, I don't think they have too many uh, seniors. I'm just taking a brief look at some of their their roster. I don't, I'm I'm seeing them. Well, I guess on the defensive side of the ball, they have a lot of seniors. But, yeah, next year they could be a, a lot more improved on offense. And, you know, getting back to the New Orleans Bowl I think would be, well, success.
0: It's an interesting year there in Lafayette. I think they're kind of they're kind of a year or two away, possibly. But if, like I said, if they can find an answer at quarterback and they can just kind of survive this season, they could be really due for some special things going into 2018 and 2019.
1: Yeah, and if they can survive those, uh, I think they had some players get suspended and kicked off the team earlier this fall.
0: Yeah, that was uh, that was back in the summer, but that ended up. I think they, the charges were dropped down to a misdemeanor, and none of those guys are going to miss any time. Okay. So they really kind of dodged the bullet there, and they should be full goal this season. But we'll move on to uh, Las Cruces and talk about the New Mexico State Aggies. This is a program that Kyle follows very, very closely. And Kyle, for New Mexico State, for me, they got a very experienced offense their last year before they go uh, independent life, and they haven't been to a bowl game since 1960. So I Fully believe that's the goal of this program is to break that horrendous streak.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the, the players and the coach, uh, Doug Martin, he, they won't say that, but I think that's kind of, if you read between the lines, I think that's the goal of the program. You know, I read an article that said uh, Doug Martin, he, he's in a contract year. He said he's not focused on winning, but I just don't see how you couldn't be, um, you know, with this talent and with, it being a contract year for him so they, I think a bowl is a must uh, I will be disappointed if they don't make a bowl
0: right yeah I think that's the expectation but the schedule is not doing them any favors so they're really going to have to earn that but we'll get into a most important player Larry Rose was my preseason pick to win Sunbelt Pl- Player of the Year honors I think he's got a legit chance for 2,000 yards if he can stay healthy he's going to leave New Mexico State as the program's all-time leading rusher as long as he doesn't get hurt this season and I'm expecting big things out of their senior tailback.
1: Yeah definitely. He, I am very excited to watch him get back to things and you know be healthy for, for fully healthy last year and, and he struggled but uh, I'm going to have to say Tyler Rodgers, quarterback uh, you know, got that medical red shirt. He's coming back. He had some trouble on third downs and in the red zone I think he threw five red zone interceptions last year, so he cleans that up. I think this team is going to be a tough team to
0: stop. Yeah, I agree. I think this offense, it's really health's a big thing because they've got death issues, I believe. But if they can just stay healthy, I think they're really going to scare some teams this season. We'll move on to most important game for me is that September 23rd home matchup with UTEP. They've really got a embarrassing losing streak to the minors, and that's something they're. Going to have to break this year if they want to compete for a bowl spot.
1: Yeah, you're in my mind. That game uh, every year. I'm, I'm confident. You know, I never think much of the miners. Not just because they're a rival, just because they're they're never that good, and we just cannot beat them. It's just a thorn in the side, and yeah, that game is a must win. I think boosts the spirits not only of the team but of the fans too. And you know, win that game and. It could be a special season.
0: Yeah, it's just trying not to
1: get too hyped up about it, but
0: it's just it's a must win. They have to get that done, they have to beat UTEP. That's a program that they're on a very even playing field with. And what is it? What have they lost eight or nine in a row? Is that right? Yep, yeah. You just can't with a program like Mexico State, you just can't have that kind of losing streak to a team that you should be beating, uh, that you would expect to beat every year. Yeah, they're
1: just. There's nothing special. I mean, they had um, Aaron Jones, and um, they've had, they have you know a few pieces on the offensive line, but outside of that, you know, there's just nothing special about them. It's just yeah,
0: frustrating. Yeah, I could understand. It has to be very frustrating for NMSU fans. We'll move on to the To uh, on to the record, like we just said, I think we both agree, six and six. They they've got to get to a bowl game for this season to be a success yeah definitely. all right. We'll head now. We'll head down to Mobile for the South Alabama Jaguars team is entering their sixth overall season at f b s They have gone to two bowl games during this run, but they have yet to post a winning record in those seasons. They've gone six and six, six and seven, five and seven, and then six and seven last year. so it's one of the more most consistent programs in the Sun Belt, but the Jags just cannot get over that hump. Um, Some would proclaim them as an underachieving program as it seems like they have more talented rosters in the Sun Belt, at least here lately. And then they just made a surprising QB change as Junior Cole Garvin beat out Junior Dallas Davis and the former Marshall transfer will be starting for the Jags on opening night when they travel to Ole Miss. That's interesting. Kyle, Davis has been
1: a starter there for a couple years.
0: Davis is coming off shoulder surgery. I believe he start, looks like he started nine games there last season, or excuse me, 10 games last season, and Garvin started three. When you look at the numbers, I was surprised by this too. It just came out this week. But when you look at the numbers from last year, other than the touchdown to interception ratio, which Garvin had a four to one and Davis had 11 to 12, every other number states that Davis was a better player. He's a better runner. Uh, he had a higher completion percentage, higher yards per attempt. So, to me, what that tells me is that that shoulder injury must be really bad. Maybe he's just don't has, doesn't have the zip on the ball as he used to.
1: Yeah, it's, that's what it's got to be. I don't see Davis as the you know, incumbent. He's familiar with everyone on the team and the system, and I just don't see what else it could be.
0: Right, right. And it just it, – it came as a big shock to me. I even I typed up my South Alabama preview earlier this week, and then it, that news literally came out about three to four hours after I posted the the the, the preview. But what are you going to do about that? When you look at the schedule, it's it's really tough, especially that start. They open up at Ole Miss on a nationally televised game. I believe that's going to be on ESPN U. And then the then the first home game is on a Friday night. They're hosting Oklahoma State. Both of those teams are going to have some really dynamic offenses. And to be in those games, South Alabama is going to have to put points on the board. So that's going to put some big pressure on this new quarterback, Garvin, early to produce some points.
1: Yeah, I don't see an upset like last year happening, especially with a new quarterback. Uh, Yeah, that is just a rough go. Oklahoma State is going to be one tough game. That will be a rough opener. This team has surprised me before and surprised
0: many people before. So you never can count them out. If there's one thing they've been under Joey Jones, it's unpredictable. So you really don't know what you're going to get from USA week in and week out. When we look at their most important player for me, they lost a ton of receivers off last year's team. Their top four receivers are gone. Tight end Messiah Francis has shown some potential. I believe it's Messiah actually. But he's shown some potential. But for me, the story of their training camp has been JUCO transfer. Jamarius Way came via the JUCO route. He's a South Florida native. His last year at JUCO in Iowa, he recorded 40 catches for 594 yards and 11 touchdowns. He's a big receiver. I believe he's about 6'5", around 215 pounds. So he's going to be a really, really big target outside. And what we're hearing from – the coaches say is that he's gonna he's gonna have a big big season so I think he is the most important player for them as they need to find a go-to option at receiver
1: yeah definitely um me I'd have to say Xavier Johnson you know he's a senior this year and with the switch at quarterback I if I was him I'd feel a little more pressure to carry the offense you know he's I think he's second on their all-time rushing list and He's a second-team Sunbelt Conference player last year, so you know he could end up carrying the offense. So as long as he stays healthy, could make or break the his health could make or break the offense. I
0: guess I should say. Right, Johnson. He'll he'll only need three three games at most to break that program rushing record. So that should happen fairly soon. And he's been awesome for for USA in his career. Senior's not huge. But he just gets the job done. He's a really dynamic kick returner, and he's just really, really consistent. You know what you're going to get from him week in and week out. We'll move on. as We talked about the schedule. For me, the most important game for USA this year is that October 26th trip to Atlanta to t- face Georgia State on a Thursday night. That's just kind of one of – they had a lot of what I call kind of swing games, and I think that's one of them. That's a game they're going to have to get. If they hope to make it back to a bowl game for the first time in back-to-back seasons in program history, yeah, there's a lot of games
1: that you could pick for the, for these guys. Man, it's a tough. It's tough. I'd have to say the Idaho game. I think I I mentioned that for Idaho too, but those two teams they're pretty evenly matched, and you know I think that game will be the really set the tone for the rest of the conference season for both teams. So I'm not to say Idaho. Their next game is at Louisiana Tech, which another tough game for them. So if they can start out 1-0 in the conference, you know, depending on how non-conference goes, they can kind of put that out of their minds and just focus on building on the 1-0 uh, conference record if they happen to be Idaho.
0: Yeah, Law Tech is a tough game. I think behind WKU they're probably the next closest favorite to win the conference USA title this year. So tough schedule for the Jags. But when we look at the schedule and all we say have a success, to me they have to get over this hump of this losing seasons. They have to eventually get a winning season on the board so they can catapult themselves to take a jump. So I'd said seven and five. If they don't do that and they stay at that six and six, five and seven range, maybe time to reassess kind of Joy Jones, like what are you doing? Is this is this the program ceiling or what kind of program are you at that point? Because it seems that they have They're in a great location where they could accumulate a bunch of good talent. It seems that they've done that, but they haven't been able to stay consistent and cash in.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Seven and six, I think, really, save face, Jones's got to win that bowl game. I don't know how much longer fans will be able to tolerate the the six and seven, five and seven, five and, uh, yeah, five and seven seasons. Well, we'll see
0: what happens. Now we'll move over to the Lone Star State, go to San Marcos and check in on Everett Withers and his Texas State Bobcats. Of course, you know it was flat out ugly for this program last year. They're just in the middle of a really big rebuild and this season's all about improvement for the Bobcats. What do you think about that Texas State program as of right now, Kyle? Oh, you know, second year under a
1: new coach and you know, it's kind of the the awkward year. First year is going to be some growing pains, and we saw that. And, you know, the second year, you know, get more recruits. kind of awkward, the guys that have been around, our previous coach and the new guys kind of trying to work together. So I think we see improvement, but, you know, it's just, it might not be as evident as maybe it will be next year. Uh, you know, when he's in his third year, he gets another um, group of guys that are his recruits. And uh, some of those guys that have been around for a while, they'll... They'll be gone, so it'll be
0: interesting for sure. When you look at their roster, it's just not that much talent on there. So to help fill those gaps, they brought in a Juco – or not a Juco, a grad transfer at quarterback, Damian Williams. Of course, played in split time with Nick Fitzgerald at Mississippi State for the beginning of last season and played pretty well, completed 66% of his passes, and of course – as Texas State's luck was. At the beginning of the camp, we learned he was serving an academic suspension, but it looks like he returned to practice on August 19th, so that'll give him a little bit of time to get ready for it, that Houston-Baptist opener. But you have to think the coaching staff is going to roll with Williams this season as the rest of the roster is really just freshmen at quarterback. And I think for them to be somewhat competitive, because let's face it, they weren't competitive at all last season, they're going they to not. need – they're going to need Williams to really be a player for them at the quarterback spot. Yeah, bringing him
1: in was huge. Um, like you said, the rest of their quarterbacks are freshmen. It would be scared to throw some freshmen out there against, you know, if, at Colorado, Appalachian State, UTSA, at Wyoming. Those are the four, four of the first five games. And to have a freshman start at those games, oh, man, that would be ugly.
0: I do not disagree, and you talk about that schedule. The beginning of it's just brutal. You're looking at a likely 1-0 and start as i will get a win at versus Houston Baptist, but then they're going to be probably heavy double-digit dogs in their, those next four games, so they're going to take their lumps, it looks like. So for me, the biggest game on schedule is after that tough first five-game stretch. It's going to be that home game against uh, Louisiana Monroe, ULM Warhawks. They went 0-8 in Sunbelt play, and then if they lose to Appalachian State, they'll be staring at an 11-game conference losing streak since they lost the last two conference games in 2015. That's, that's just a bad streak. There's no A streak no program wants to be stuck with. You've got to break that conference losing streak, and that's going to be their best opportunity to do that, and it allows them to do it kind of early so they can get that monkey off their back. Yeah, I'm being a Aggie fan. I know kind of what that's like. We had a pretty bad
1: streak, if I recall. Uh, except we had a, the FBS losing streak record for a while until we beat Idaho a couple years, one or two years back. I can't remember now. But, anyways, yeah, that'll be a huge game. I think that'll really, I, it, I think it would be a success. As long as they break that streak, it'll definitely be a successful season.
0: Right, uh, I agree. I mean, Just getting
1: us some. Even... Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, I could even see that UTSA game being pretty important. I saw they recently brand, branded that rivalry just a couple of days back, but, you know, you never know what can happen in rivalry games. Teams always show up. They're always more motivated, and, uh, you know, things can crazy things can happen.
0: Right. In my last – one of my last, most recent pods with Vidal Espinosa, our Texas State writer there at Underdog Dynasty, we talked about that UTSA series that they're starting up and really – They think it could step up and be one of the bigger football games in Texas yearly. These teams are pretty close to each other, and they're kind of on the same playing field. And they think it can be a real healthy, friendly rivalry. The problem right now is UTSA and Texas State are just at different points. Um, UTSA is going to compete for a Conference USA division title, potentially a conference title this year. And Texas State's trying to break a conference losing streak. So eventually, once Texas State gets their act together, I believe they'll be on the level playing field. But right now, it looks like the Bobcats are playing catch-up to the Roadrunners.
1: I agree. Um, that'll be a very healthy rivalry. I expect the Alamo Dome and Bobcat Stadium to be packed for those games in the near future.
0: And then when you look at record, for me, it's just breaking that conference losing streak, just improving on last year. You don't want to post back-to-back 2-10 and 10 win seasons or – you got to have some tangible proof if you're Everett Withers that this thing is going in the right direction. So at least getting a 3-9 and nine will say, hey, we're, we're, we're climbing the ladder and we'll be ready for a big jump in year three. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I think they play play some teams
1: that they can beat, ULM, um, Coastal Carolina, Georgia State, Houston Baptist. I, I think they could even get to you know, maybe even four or five wins if they get a little lucky, but I don't see that happening. Uh, I think 3-9 and nine is, is the bar. To
0: reach definitely going to be a unique season there in San Marcos. But for the Bobcats, just don't worry about that win loss record, just worry about improvement because you're not they're just nowhere near where they want to be, and that's being in the top part of the Sun Belt Conference. I agree. So we'll move on finally to Northern Louisiana, go to Monroe, their home of the Warhawks in Malone Stadium. Matt Viator enters year two after really exceeding expectations. He had a team that had no business probably winning more than two games, and somehow they went four and eight and pulled off two huge upsets in the Sun Belt play as double-digit dogs against South Alabama and Georgia State. And then the Georgia State one actually happened on the road, and they happened in consecutive weeks. So that allowed ULM to get some momentum there in November. And now they're kind of in the same boat with Texas State. They are just, just get better as a team. They pulled in a nice recruiting class. They brought in a lot of JUCOs, and now I think the big goal for this team is to find the QB of the future. They played three quarterbacks last year, due to some injuries. So for them, and all of these guys are going to be juniors or less. And really, the two guys competing are junior Caleb, or excuse me, junior Garrett Smith, and sophomore Caleb Evans. So finding the answer at quarterback between those two is going to be the biggest thing. This program must figure out in 2017.
1: Uh, certainly, I mean they have the talent. Said uh, Caleb Evans, he came in versus uh, South Alabama, and he threw for three touchdowns. You know, as a freshman last year, that quite impressive uh, against a team like that that has some talent on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, they have some older guys too that have played, you know, significant amount of time. And you never know, second year under uh, the coach. They're familiar with the offense, familiar with the guys. We'll see what happens. But, yeah, I I, I would have to say finding a quarterback uh, to really have a leader for your team is important.
0: Speaking of finding a quarterback, a quarterback has to have someone to throw the ball to. And they – explosive plays were a bit of a problem for this offense last year. And I think junior R.J. Turner – Could be the answer there as your big-time playmaker on the outside. Last year in limited opportunities, I believe he only had 23 catches, but he went for an 18.8 average per catch. And then he averaged right under 11 yards per target. So that's pretty good. And if they can figure out ways to get him involved and get him the ball, I think he could become a big-time playmaker for this offense. And it's something they need, as I think this running game is going to be pretty solid this season. Yeah, uh, I mean – even on the
1: – I saw the offensive line, too. They uh, added in a, a guy who had uh, come from Alabama, too. He's uh, mm-hmm. uh, Eastwood Thomas. He's 6'5", 3 and 4 pounds. I have him at, listed as a left tackle, but, you know, he comes in and he could open up some lanes for that running back as well.
0: Yeah, Thomas was a guy that was actually on the team last year and started some games. But uh, the, I really do like this offensive line. I think it's a group people are sleeping on this year. They might have the best guard tandem in the Sun Belt with senior Frank Sutton, who was on first team, all Sun Belt team this past preseason. And then sophomore Devin Jackson really impressed as a freshman, a redshirt freshman last year. So this offensive line is going to open up some holes, and even they added another Alabama transfer who was a walk-on like Thomas and Derek Gore. Gore was a guy that put got limited opportunities in Tuscaloosa but put up decent numbers when he got to run the ball. So you're gonna throw him into that running back group, which is a legit four deep now with the addition of Gore. I think they're gonna have a really good running game, and if they can just find some vertical passing, this offense could be one of the surprises in 2017.
1: Yeah, that offense line I just wanna they're big. Uh center, Bobby Reynolds, 6'2, 286, Devin Jackson 6'4-333, Frank Sutton 6'3, 302, Keaton Baggs, 6'5, 297. And then Thomas six five three zero four. Those are some big dudes, right? So yeah, they'll they'll be pavers for
0: sure, right? Yeah, that's what the, that offensive line is a big reason. When you look at some advanced stats, they really graded out pretty well, uh, as well as any position group on the team last year. And all those five guys you just talked about, Kyle, each have starting experience, so they're a seasoned group, and I think they're going to be really good this year. And they they're going to I think they got a chance. They're going to lead the way, but I think this could this offense could surprise some people this season under offensive yeah. coordinator Matt Kubik.
1: I agree. Find that quarterback, and along that offensive line, there's only one senior, so they could be good for years to come.
0: As we'll move on to the biggest game for me, it's the September 16th, or excuse me, 23rd matchup when they go to face their heated in-state rival, uh, Louisiana Lafayette. It's a tough start of they're going to be heavy dogs against Memphis on the road, against Florida State on the road. And then even Southern Miss is going to be a tough game for the Warhawks. So if you don't win that UL Lafayette game, you could be staring at an 0-4 start. And then that little bit of momentum you garnered at the end of last season is pretty much out the window at that point.
1: And then they go to Coastal Carolina. And uh, now I'm going to have to say uh, that Texas State game at Texas State, you know, I think Texas State will have that game circled. You know, they're trying to improve. ULM's trying to build off of last season. You know, coming off that Coastal Carolina game, which I would assume they would win. They get that first win down uh, if, if they happen to lose to uh ULL and then go into San Marcos, beat Texas State, come back home to Georgia State. You know, they could be looking at a three-game win streak there and never know. Good. Momentum could carry on and they could be playing with a lot of confidence. Never know what could happen. Team with confidence.
0: Right, absolutely. I think it's going to be key for this team because they're still going to be fairly young in a lot of spots. It's going to be keeping that confidence up, uh, giving them some swagger because once they get through that tough stretch early, most of these games in the Sunbelt Conference are going to be games they can really compete in. They don't draw Troy, and then they get Appalachian State and Arkansas State both at home. So, and then by that, those games are in November, so that's going to be when a a lot of those young guys got some experience under their belts. So if they can just keep their confidence up, I think they can really be competitive in a lot of games this year.
1: Keeping away from the injury bug, too, will be huge. Uh, They play 10 games in a row, and then they finally get their bye November 11th.
0: -hmm. And then off
1: their bye, they have to go to Auburn and then play Arkansas State at home. So as long as they stay healthy, because if that injury bug hits – it could be a, a really tough season.
0: Right, absolutely. But we'll go ahead and wrap this up now. Thanks for listening to our Sunbelt preview. All y'all stay tuned. We're going to have some really good things coming up to the site as the season is finally here. Of course, week zero this weekend. No Sunbelt teams in action, but we kicked off week one. Thursday, a bunch of teams play. we got Idaho at Sacramento State. New Mexico State goes to Tempe to take on Arizona State. Georgia State opens Georgia State Stadium, or GSU Stadium, excuse me, there against FCS Tennessee State. And then, of course, ULM, like we are just talking about, they go to Memphis It open up there. I believe it's a 9 p.m. Eastern kickoff. So, we've made it, Kyle. The offseason is officially over. It's It's been a long off season. Looking forward to that first game. Yes, and now on these pods going forward, we'll pretty much give previews of each game going forward, and we'll have – A little bit, we'll have actual games to analyze and seasons to break down. So it's going to be very exciting. Make sure you keep listening to this, and if you haven't subscribed to the podcast or leave us a review, that would be greatly appreciated. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, all that, all that stuff that you've heard from every podcast. But please do it for us; it really, really helps us out and uh, really will make us better and stronger. And let us know if you know we need to improve anything. We're always wanting feedback.
1: We love doing this, and we love any response we can get back—positive, negative, anything. Right. So make sure to subscribe, listen. We got some really cool stuff coming up to the site for the season, so I think it's gonna be fun.
0: And of course, on the Twitter machine, you can find us at Underdog Dynasty. That's dog D O G, under like uh, not like the podcast when we spell pod P A W D, but you can find Kyle. Where they can they find you at on the Twitter.com. They can find me at Adopted Aggie. I, I recently
1: figured out how to uh, change my uh, username to a little bit more user-friendly, I guess, or easier to find me address. So that's where they can find me. Uh, and,
0: yeah, stay tuned. We'll, uh, follow us on Twitter. Well, Kyle, I'm proud of you, man. You're making big moves, and you're figuring out this social media thing out. Very proud <laughs> of you. And, of course, you can follow me, Adam Luck, at B-O-S, Make sure you're checking out all the previews that we have posted. We're going to have tons of previews coming out this following week, tons of podcasts, a lot of good content coming up. So make sure you're staying tuned, and thanks for listening. Kyle, once again, thanks for coming on the Underdog Podcast. We will definitely be be getting you on soon. Hopefully New Mexico State can uh, not fall in a hole early for you. Yeah, fingers crossed. All right, man. We'll see you later. We'll